so that we can better understand our great God, right? Um, now, again, as I said, it's not possible for us to, um, to fully comprehend um, what God is, right? It's really not fully for us to comprehend who he is either. But, um, but to understand him in his nature, um, being an infinite, it's not possible for us, uh, we who are infinite, uh, who are finite, right, to be able to, to, to fully comprehend him. But what we must do is, is search the scriptures and try to get the, the best understanding of him that we can by the way he has revealed himself. Okay. And I, I want to, I, I wanted to say, bring back this point of what we talked about before the, don't write the words down, the ontological trinity versus the economic trinity. Okay. Who God is in himself, in his nature, right. Versus the division of labor, so to speak, that we see uh, between God, the father, God, the son, and the Holy Spirit in the, in the Bible. These two things must be the same, okay? The way God acts in the world, right, and the interactions that we see between the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, they must be reflective of who God is in his nature, okay? God is not going to reveal something about himself in the Bible that is not true of who he really is in his own nature, okay? So um, we want to make sure we keep that in mind as we work our way through these passages. All right. Now, I'm going to still review a couple, again, uh, some of the passages that we went over in, in Bible study, again, um, just for, for, for everyone. And so I'm going to briefly, briefly move, um, touch on those things. But again, we're going to run this like Bible study. If you have any questions, right, feel free to, to ask them at the moment. Want to make sure that we are, are fully understanding what I'm, being, what I'm saying. And just in case I'm not clear on a point, you can just raise your hand and I will, and I will uh, uh, elaborate or try to explain it in a, in a different way. Amen? All right. Let me pick up in the book of... Joshua. Turn to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And we're, we're focusing here on, on Jesus, right? Who is Jesus? And, I, and the, I, the point that I'm trying to make is that Jesus existed before he was born as a human being, okay, in the, in the New Testament. We see glimpses of him in the Old Testament. And I want us to look at Joshua chapter 5 really quickly. So, of course, the, the backstory we all know that Joshua here is preparing to go to battle. And he sees this man approaching him and he wants to know if this man is for him or against him. Listen to what the man says in verse 14. He says uh, he replied. Well, again, verse 13. Are you one of us or one of our adversaries? Verse 14. He replied, 
neither, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, what do you command your servant, my Lord? The commander of the army of the Lord said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now notice here that uh, this man that Joshua is talking to, he says he's not, uh, he's not for or against Joshua. He's coming to be in charge. Okay. He is the one that is in charge of the armies of the Lord. But what's interesting about this man is what he says to Joshua when Joshua says, what do you want me to do? This, this man says to Joshua that he is to take his shoes off of his feet because the ground he is standing on is holy. Now, the reason that that's interesting is because when we go back to Exodus chapter 3, we see that when Moses is talking to the Lord at the burning bush. This is exactly what the Lord says to Joshua, um, to, um, to, um, to Moses. Exodus chapter three, verse five. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of, God of Jacob and the God um, of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Now, notice Moses is talking to God at the burning bush, right? He's afraid to look at God. We know that who he's talking to is God, even though the beginning of the Exodus three passage said he's talking to the angel of the Lord, okay? uh, which is another issue. But we're not going to address that today. But he says when he's talking to God, he is told, take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on is holy. Now, question, is there anyone other than God who is holy? Jesus is God. (laughs) We're called to be holy, but we're called to be holy as he is holy. So again, only God is is holy, okay? Now, in relationship to God, we can be holy, right? The angels are called holy because they stand in his presence, right? We're called to be holy because we're now in right relationship to him. But only God himself is truly intrinsically holy. Okay. And again, those things that are rightly related to him can be called holy. Now, when we look in at Joshua, right, this, this, this man, as he is described in, in the book of Joshua, tells Joshua, take the shoes off your feet because the ground you're standing on is holy. Now, how can this man claim the same things that God claimed in the book of Exodus without that being blasphemy? Unless this man is God. Everybody see that? So this person claims the same thing about himself that God claims. Right. And he tells Joshua to do the same thing that God told Moses to do. Therefore, these two, God and whoever this man is, 
must be equated. Everybody see that? All right. Um, next, I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 6. We talked about this in Bible study. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Isaiah chapter 6. Just want to point this out. Isaiah chapter 6, you all know the story. King Uzziah died, and Isaiah, being grieved, goes into the temple. And as he goes into the temple, he sees the Lord. Okay? He sees Adonai, the master of the universe. And he goes on to say that Adonai, the king of the universe, is the Lord of hosts. And then, of course, we know he's afraid. He thinks he's going to die. All of that good stuff. Listen to what he says when he gets to uh, verse seven. The pivots of the threshold shook at the voices of those who called and the house uh, filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, Jehovah, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. Now, notice what's going on. God is saying, who is going to go do my work? Isaiah says, Lord, I will go. And God tells him, you're going to go and you're going to preach so that your preaching is going to cause people to not hear the truth, to not see the truth. Your preaching is going to harden their hearts so that they cannot be healed, so that I can punish them. Okay, that messes up a whole lot of pastoral theology. They say, well, see, you got to say it the right way so people can come to the truth and, 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 and do the right thing. No, sometimes you need to preach so that people can be punished. And disciplined. Okay. Now, turn over to John chapter 12. Turn to John chapter 12. Now, we know in Isaiah, Isaiah says he sees the Lord, right? He sees God. And in the Old Testament, who would he, he thought he saw? Based on what we would say, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who did Isaiah think he saw? God, the Father. Okay, so so. He didn't know anything about Jesus. He didn't know anything about, about the Holy Spirit. So to him, he would have seen God the Father. Okay. Now look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Verse 36. Let us see who he really saw. Verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. And Jesus, okay, so the subject is who? Jesus had said this. He, he who? Jesus departed and hid from them, although he who? 
had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him who? Jesus. This was to fulfill. They heard but did not believe this, them hearing and not believing, was to fulfill the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe because Isaiah also said, and now he quotes from Isaiah chapter six, the verses that we just read. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart so that they may not look with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his, his who? His, who is the his referring to? Jesus, his glory and spoke about him, him who? Now, I gave, said this to one of my, um, one of my Jehovah's, give this example to one of my friends who was Jehovah's Witness, and they were saying, no, 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 no. The, when it says Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke of him, that verse is referring to Jehovah, God the Father, because it comes right after the Isaiah passage, and Isaiah is talking about God the Father. Now, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but that's not really how English works. I was, I was always taught that, that pronouns modify a noun and the, the only noun starts at verse 36 and and that is Jesus and everything else is just pronouns so I, we can't just insert God the Father into it because the the passage is about Jesus right so so if, if we're talking about Jesus and he says he saw his glory and spoke of him you can't go back to saying, oh, well, Isaiah was talking about <laughs> about God, the father. Well, that's not who John was talking about. John was talking about Jesus. And we know that John was talking about Jesus because verse 42 goes on to say, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. Now, are we supposed to think that that verse 41 is talking about God, the father? In verse 42, they skipping back to believing in Jesus. Many did believe in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that they would put on and um, be put out of the synagogue. Now, this passage is saying that when Isaiah walked into the temple and said he saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up the train of his robe, filled his temple. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus sitting on the throne of the universe. Anybody see that? Question. Janine. Miss English teacher. Yes. She about to get me. Go ahead. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 They would say they're talking about the father. Because they don't they don't accept Jesus as as God. The father. Everything is the father. And with it. So, for example, right. When you look at like Genesis chapter one, where it says, let us make man in our image. They will just say that that he was talking to the to the angels. So they will not get they will not admit any of the these passages as referring to Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. And angels aren't said to be in the image of God either. So that's the question. How how are we in the image of angels when the Bible clearly, even the Old Testament, gives uh, a dichotomy between the nature of angels and the nature of, of human beings? But it doesn't matter. We just won't say it's Jesus. <laughs> it could be anybody as long as it ain't Jesus. <laughs> okay. Says Jordy. Yeah, they, they won't recognize him as, as God. Nope. Um, yes and no. Um, there are Orthodox Jews who still try to follow, um, you know, follow aspects of, of the law. Um, you have uh, some... Um, I won't be nice. Some, uh, some, some of us, some of our, our, our cousins, you know, like the Hebrew Israelites who, who think that they're under the law. Um, but I think that here's the issue, right? For, for whether you're Jews or, you know, black Israelites or whoever, whoever, whoever thinks that they're under the law, they have some issues to address, okay? Um, first, the, the question is, if you're under the law, When was the last time you sacrificed the animal to atone for your sin? You, you're, you're saying you're, I'm under God's judgment because I'm not fulfilling the Old Testament. Why are we not stoning people to death for, you know, adultery, you know, fornication? And they'll say, well, I live in a country that doesn't allow it. Oh, it's tons of countries around the world that will allow you to do it. Move to those countries. They won't do it. Right. Because so what we do is the same thing the Pharisees are doing. We figure out ways to kind of work around, you know, get around all of these things. We under the law, but only the parts that we like. You know, um, so I, I would say, you know, they try to um, Jews, at least try some Jews, Orthodox Jews, try to culturally um, continue practices. But being honest, n- nobody's is living under the law today. No. Mm-hmm. When he raised Tabitha, mm-hmm. right. That was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Peter raised uh, uh, Tabitha um, to life, right, how did he do that is what Sister Dorothy asked. And I said it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is a good example. I'm glad you brought that up. It is um, I think that that's, that is the perfect example of of me saying la- uh, two Sundays ago that Jesus did not perform his miracles as God. He performed his miracles as a man empowered by the spirit. Um, and it's the same thing that the apostles did when they went out and performed their miracles and raised people from the dead. And they didn't do those miracles as God. Right. They did those miracles as human beings empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and that's the, the same thing we need to think about with Jesus. Jesus did not perform his miracles through in his own power. Right. He uh, um, Philippians chapter two, he set aside the independent use of his attributes. 
He lived as a human being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the same way the apostles were filled with the spirit and, and, and used the power of the spirit to perform those miracles. It's the same thing that, that Jesus did as a human being. He uh, did all of the things he did in his humanity. Right. Um, and, and that way he set an example for us to live as well to live as human beings under the power of the Holy Spirit. Tina. Easily, they, they reject Jesus as God, so there's no reason for them to accept the New Testament. They're waiting for the Messiah. So if you look at it, whenever they, they celebrate the Passover, right, they set a chair, you know, uh, uh, they set a seat for the Messiah, showing that we're still hoping for him to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'll they'll still stick to the Old Testament feast and celebrations and things like that. But uh, again, nobody is living under the law. <laughs> nobody, nobody's living under the law. Because if 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 people were still living under the law, we would see a bunch of dead people in the, in the streets every day being stoned for all kinds of stuff. But we don't see that. <laughs> the law. The old they they read the Old Testament. No, they don't. They don't accept the new the New Testament at all. Mm. No, I, they. I mean, I think they give special significance. We gonna get back to talking about Jesus. <laughs> it's like y'all do this to me every single time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is why we need to come to Bible study. Not just playing. <laughs> look, look. <laughs> I think they get they put special significance on the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. We call it the Pentateuch, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But they accept the whole Old Testament as as their scripture. But they give us a, a special. I think it would hold a special significance to the first five books. Mm -hmm. Any other questions about Jesus? <laughs> all right um isaiah chapter seven y'all making me run out of time i'm gonna have to take a few extra minutes yep <laughs> hey we back to normal now. We ain't got to get out at 12 o'clock. What did I say? Oh, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. All right. I'm going to start at verse 10. Uh, here. 
Isaiah gives this prophecy to King Ahaz. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz saying, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman or the virgin is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him what? Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? We know from the from the gospel of Matthew, God with us. So this son that the Lord himself will give, the title for this son is God with us. I mean, I think we should probably just close the Bible. Like, I mean, that's, that's just another proof right there, right? <laughs> right? God, God with us. Um, let us look at... Hmm. Isaiah 35, Isaiah 35, I'm going to pick up the speed a little bit. Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, well, I'll start at verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. When your God comes to save you, verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Okay, now who is supposed to come? That's not what that passage says. See, y'all need to learn how to read in context. Okay. Who did it say? It says God will come. In the Old Testament, they thought God was who? God the Father. All right. Now, turn to the book of Luke. Because it says when God comes, the deaf are going to be able to, um, to hear and the blind are going to be able to see all of these things, right? Now, Look what happens in the gospel of Luke, verse 18. I'm sorry, Luke 7, verse 18. The disciples of John, John the Baptist, we know, is, is arrested. Ultimately, he would be beheaded. Uh, and now he's, he's wondering if he has, you know, picked the right person as the Messiah. Okay. Now, he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus these questions. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Now, notice what Jesus says. Okay, Jesus is going to explain exactly what Isaiah said would happen when God comes to save. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, verse 21, Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, evil spirits, and had given sight to many who are blind. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. 
the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Notice what Jesus says when, when the disciples question him about if he is the Messiah. Jesus, he, he paraphrases, right? Uh, in, in a sense, some uh, almost a quotes the passage in Isaiah that says, when God comes to save, this is going to happen. All of the stuff is taking place. You should recognize who I am. Okay. Jesus is claiming passages about himself that were references to God in the Old Testament. Let us look at Isaiah chapter 9. You, you can just keep your hand in Isaiah for, for the time being. <laughs> we'll go flip back. Isaiah chapter 9. Get us a great Christmas verse here. Got to always read this at Christmas time. Verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Sorry for saying that loud. I just wanted to make sure y'all got the emphasis on that. That, 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 that this son is called the mighty God. Okay. Okay. Everlasting father, prince of peace. Okay. Now, if anyone is confused, you can write this down. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 21. Uh, verse 21 in, in Isaiah chapter 10 is talking specifically, we know specifically is referring to God the father, and in this passage, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 21, God the Father is also called Mighty God. So whatever is being said about the Father in, in chapter 10, Jesus has that same title in chapter 9. So the title is being used of both of them. They must be equated. Anybody see that? All right. Um, what can I skip? Mm, I don't want to skip this one. Isaiah 42. <laughs> we read this uh, this morning. So I'll just read the one verse here. Isaiah 42. Verse 8. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to idols. Okay. Now, question. Will God share his glory with anyone? No. Okay. As a matter of fact, the very definition of an idol is something that we give glory, praise, and honor to that is not God. Okay. Now, I want you to turn <laughs> to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. So you can see this. John 17.
Jesus is about to be arrested. He's praying now in the garden. Listen to what he prays to the father. Verse one. After Jesus has spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Give me glory. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. Now, I'm going to ask the same question again. Does God share his glory with anyone else? So how can Jesus say, I want my glory back? I had this glory before the world began. I want it back. Does God share his glory with anyone other than God? So if, if Jesus possessed the, the um, God's glory and he's asking for the glory back, does he not have to be God in order for this request not to be idolatry? Anybody see that? Any questions about it? Anybody confused? Okay. If God has said he will not share his glory with anyone else, right? That, 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 that must mean that if Jesus is not God, he cannot share God's glory, right? If, if, if he is just a created, the first being that God created, okay? If he's the first being that God created, God cannot share his glory with him, right? Because he said, I will share my glory with no one else. Okay. And yet Jesus said, Father, glorify me. Give me my glory back. I possess this glory with, with you before the world began. I want it back. How could Jesus's request not be sin if he is someone other than God himself? Only God can possess God's glory, right? So in order for this request not to be sin and idolatry, Jesus must be God. Right? All right. There we go. Just make sure we're all on the same page about it. Let me, uh, let's hit this one. Um, we all know Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, right? Right. We know it. They're like, I don't know that verse. Okay. Well, if you start at verse 5, you can, you, you'll be able to quote it, right? <laughs> but it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, it says, uh, To Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay. So every knee will bow to Jesus, right? 
I want you to turn to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Let's see. To whom will every knee bow? Anybody there? I want you to see it. Verse 22, verse 22. Turn to me and be saved. You know what? Let, 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 let us, we should be, so we can be clear. Verse 21, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it I, not I, the Lord, Jehovah? He says, there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a what? Savior. There is no one besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Okay. Now, who is Isaiah talking about? Isaiah don't know nothing about Jesus. He, he, he's talking about Jehovah. And to him, Jehovah is God the Father. And God the Father here says, I am the only Savior. And there's no one but me. And I, I promise you, to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear an oath. Now, when Paul picks up the, this passage in the New Testament, he says to Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So who does Jesus have to be? Yeah, you with me? Oh, no. Listen, what I'm saying is when Isaiah wrote, he didn't know anything about the son. Right. He didn't. Absolutely. We know more than Isaiah knew. And so what I'm saying is, is the Old Testament, this is, is always referring to God or Jehovah. Right. And so in our minds, we always think that when we see in the Old Testament, Oh, this is talking about God the Father. This is talking about God the Father, God the Father. But in the New Testament, when you see these same passages that we assume is referring to God the Father in the New Testament, it's attributed to Jesus. So the question has to be, you know, 
how 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 can you take something that is supposed to be true of God the Father and and apply it to the Son? <laughs> all I'm what I, all I'm saying is is that 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 this must prove that Jesus is God. And when we when we look at this in the Old Testament, look at this for the Holy Spirit, you'll you'll see in the New Testament it said. Well, did the Holy Spirit say and then give you a quote from the Old Testament? And when you look at the quote from the Old Testament, it's from Jehovah. I'm like, when did the Holy Spirit say that? I thought God the Father said that. Or you'll see passages that said, well, did the Holy Spirit say and then it'll give you a quote from David. Huh? David, David, David is the one who's speaking in this passage. Why did it say the Holy Spirit said it? Apparently, the Holy Spirit was around in the Old Testament, too. <laughs> and these three are one. So oh, all I'm showing you is that in the Old Testament, people say, well, no, these things can't be a reference to Jesus. Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. And I'm saying Jesus is all over the Old Testament. We just have to look at the New Testament and see what they point into him. Like, oh, I get it. I got it. Right. Everything, the whole universe is about Jesus. <laughs> okay. John says that Jesus created the universe. The universe is for him and by him and for his glory. Everything is about Jesus. That's the father's plan. The father's plan was to make everything in the universe revolve around the sun. So doesn't it make sense that what? Oh, I didn't even pick that up. Yeah, yeah, it, everything, everything. Yeah, everything, the S-O-N, revolve around the S-O-N, right? And again, that's the point. God has created the world to teach you a spiritual reality just like the planets and everything in the solar system revolves around the S-U-N. I wonder how God got that idea. Hmm. How did God get the idea to make everything in the universe revolve around this one thing? Because that's his plan, is to have everything in the universe revolve around his son. And so a God is always teaching us about himself through nature. Psalm 19, Romans chapter 1. How did God come up with the idea of marriage? Ephesians chapter 5. The relationship of a husband and wife teaches us about Christ and the church. Oh, oh, so when God wants to teach us about his relationship with with our relationship with himself oh he made two people that are two that becomes one and they have a relationship together oh so i can see what christ did i I got it okay everything is about jesus everything tina and i'm gonna stop i'm over my time
Mm -hmm. Right. A absolutely. So we, because Jesus was not born, because Jesus didn't exist in the Old Testament, because Jesus is a human being, and Jesus came into being nine months before he was born from Mary's womb. But the second, the son of God is eternal. And that's the point I'm, I'm making that his deity and his humanity were united when he was conceived in Mary's womb. Right. But that doesn't mean that Jesus, Jesus didn't, you know, just started existing 2000 years ago. He is eternal. He is, eter is eternal. And what we have to start doing is we make that distinction between his deity and his humanity. So, of course, as a human being, he was not did not exist in the Old Testament. Right. Because his body is only about 2000 years old. OK. But what we have to do is train our minds to understand that. Just like the Holy Spirit is a spirit, Jesus was a spirit. And he could manifest himself in physical form anytime he chose to do it. And he did that repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. Anybody else? Questions? All right, next Sunday we're going to finish up these last couple of verses that, um, um, that we had. But again, what I'm, try I'm trying to drive home to us is... Don't just look at the New Testament and say, well, the New Testament clearly teaches Jesus. The Old Testament doesn't clearly teach Jesus. So therefore, Jesus is not there. OK, what we have to be have to do is 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 keep the unity of this book. OK, keep, this book is one book. OK, the way we understand the Bible is by cross referencing passages back and forth to each other. OK, so if a, if a passage in the New Testament is 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 quoted in reference to Jesus, but in the Old Testament, it just says God. Right. Uh, what we have to understand is either the passage is about God, the father in the Old Testament and it's applied to Jesus in the New Testament. And therefore, the focus is on the the deity. Right. Or this passage is trying to say that Jesus was manifested in a physical form, not a human body, but a physical form in the Old Testament. And we just didn't, I mean, because we didn't know about Jesus, you know, back then, they didn't know that this is Jesus. They just saw him as God, the king of the universe. And, but they didn't have the distinction that we have of the Trinity because the Trinity is a New Testament doctrine that we read back into the Old Testament. You had a hand up, Una? Oh, that absolutely gets them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. But again, we have to make sure that the name of Jesus is important because it, it's about, um, Peter says there's no other name 
under heaven whereby we can be saved. And, and I, again, that's why I always say people like, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, great. You believe in Jesus? Uh, you don't really believe in God. <laughs> you don't. You know, or people like, you know, sometimes you'll have uh, someone who is um, Muslim or Jew or, or whatever. And they'll say, well, we all believe in we, we all believe in the same God. We just call him something different. I'm like, oh, really? You worship Jesus? No, we don't worship the same God. <laughs> OK, we. We don't, we don't worship the same God. If you do not worship Jesus as God, we're not worshiping the same God. You calling just because we say the same word does not mean we're worshiping the same thing. Because what you're worshiping is an idol. I'm worshiping the living God because the living God is a trinity. If, if, if you say, oh, I worship God the Father, you can't. Jesus said you cannot come to the Father except you come by past me first. If you reject the son, you cannot have a relationship with the father. It's not possible. So I think it's, it's important that we, th that's why I think it's important that we always, when, when I talk to people, when people are like, yeah, God, 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 I'm like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because again, that helps you to know, like, wh where are we stand? <laughs> where, where do we stand? And, and, and if you're like, well, you know, Jesus, I don't really mess with Jesus like that, you know, but I, but I love God. And like, <laughs> you can't, you, you can't love God if you don't mess with Jesus. That's like somebody coming to me and be like, you know, Pastor, I really love you, but I don't really like your kids. Like, I don't they can get out of my face. I don't like them. At some point, I'm just be like, yeah, you can't have relate. You can't like me and say you like and, and, and disrespect my children, right? If you, if you if you love and respect me, you have to respect my children, right? And it's the same thing with God. You can't be like, yeah, you know, me and God get down like that, but you know, I don't really mess with Jesus. God is going to be like, you don't really mess with me. I sent my son to save you. How you say you don't mess with my son, <laughs> but you really, the, but you want to have a relationship with me. Okay. So, you know, so the, it, it's important that we keep these, these things in our minds, Jews, Muslims, whatever religion, we are not worshiping the same God. We're not. Um, I'm trying to think what does, what does the term actually mean? Um, it's just a, it, it literally is just an Arabic word for God. I mean, that, that's what Allah means. Allah means God in Arabic. Just like, um, you know, Elohim means God in, you know, in Hebrew. We just say God in English. So it, it literally is just the Arabic word for God. Um, but again, their understanding of, of Allah is that, again, he's a monad meaning he is exists as one right um whereas we still would say god is a trinity um he, he exists as three excuse me but um but the term is just the arabic word for for god mm -hmm. man Right. Um, literally, the, Bi the Bible literally says exactly that. Uh, Ephesians chapter one. What verse is it? 
verse um Ephesians chapter one verse ten says um well so we don't start with a uh subordinate clause. <laughs> Uh, verse seven, he says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. This word um, to um, gather up or the uh, uh, King James, New King James used the word gather together. Literally, the Greek word there is where we get our English word orbit, right? The word means to orbit, right? So when he says he wants to gather together everything in Christ, he wants to orbit everything around Christ, everything in heaven and things on earth. So um, th that's why I get the, the idea that that's where God took the idea with the planet and the suns. Th that was his plan. Everything in heaven and earth is supposed to revolve around the sun. And so he created a reality to teach us that very thing about about God. And so that's what we're supposed to do with our lives. Everything. Jesus is supposed to be the center of our lives. Right. Colossians chapter one. In everything, he is supposed to have first place. Um, and, and so he's supposed to be the center of our lives. Everything in our life is supposed to revolve around him, um, which is really the most, I guess, a difficult thing because we just we think that, you know, God, church, reading the Bible, devotions is just an add on. It's something extra that we do. Right. Well, if I don't go to church today, if I don't read my Bible, if I don't pray, you know, uh, it's not really going to hurt that much. Right. Because, again, the way we look at stuff from an American perspective is we have compartments. We have work. We have church. We have family. We have recreation. And so, you know, God and church is just one of the extra boxes that we have in our lives. But that's not how our relationship is designed to be. Everything is supposed to revolve around Christ. So, you know, Christ is the center. Work, school, reality, family, everything revolves around, uh, revolves around Jesus. And if it does not revolve around Jesus, that's where we have problems. Mm-hmm. Kelly. Um, I can see that. I think that um, Kelly saying is that, you know, general revelation means creation, right? God has revealed himself in creation, Psalm, um, Psalm 19, so that, you know, when you look at what God has made, Romans chapter one says you will understand who he is. Now, general revelation is a not is not enough to save everyone. Right. We need to have an understanding of Jesus Christ. But Paul says that general revelation, just creation, you know, sun, moon, stars and everything is enough to condemn us because when you get to stand before judgment, you can't say, you know, I never knew that it was a God. God's going to say, well, where do you think that sun came from? You think it just popped out of thin air, <laughs> right? You know, so so it says we will be without excuse. So I, I think that is true that general revelation is designed in order to teach people there is a God. Someone had to put this here and it should cause us to seek after 
that God. But Paul says, Romans chapter one, because of our sin, we don't seek after the one who created the um, um, uh, all of these things. We turn those created realities into gods themselves. So we worship the sun, um, you know, moon and stars and stuff like that. And many of us say, well, pfft, we don't do stuff like that. That's that, you know, stuff they did in the Old Testament. What do you think horoscopes are? Girl, you know, the reason I act like this is because I'm a Pisces. <laughs> I'm like, what do y'all think? What do you think that what do y'all think that is? We're worshiping create cre it's like, girl, okay, I I got two job offers. I don't know which one. Where the newspaper at? What my signs say? <laughs> we worship creatures rather than the creator. And we think, man, them people was dumb. They used to bow down to pieces of wood. That's dumb. And then we bow down to newspapers and be like, who should I marry? All right, well, I'm a Pisces, so I can't marry a Leo. Because <laughs> our signs don't, <laughs> don't go together. <laughs> When all you got to do is pray. Pray and talk to the Lord. Anybody else? Before we go. Before I get myself in any more trouble. <laughs> We've evolved, though. We're not really into the um, horoscopes anymore. We just go consult our Enneagram. <laughs> Let me stop. Mm. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't say Instagram. Enneagram. The personality assessments, though. I had this, uh, one of my friends, one of my friend's uh, pastors wrote this book about um, why we should bring the Enneagrams to church. I said, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Lord have mercy, I say. Girl, we so beyond the Bible now, girl. You know God speaks to us through psychologists. <laughs> you know, we gotta we gotta add on to Hebrews one one. You know. That in former times he spoke to us through the prophets, but now he speaks to us through his son. And now he speaks to us through psychology. <laughs> All right, let's go. I'm well over. This will happen when you stay past 12 o'clock. <laughs> All right. Um, again, let's keep working on, you know, um, the catechism questions. Let us keep uh, uh, looking at these passages on the Trinity. Go back, reread the passages. You know, if you have any questions about them, bring them to Bible study. We'll, we'll um, address all questions uh, that you may have on... Um, on uh on wednesday night um i think that the series is is on, on the trinity is going well i've had several people come to me and say people have, have asked them questions about the trinity and they've been able to explain it all right so th that's 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 why we are why we are doing this um don't forget i want you to keep reading the book of malachi okay read malachi five times five times okay so we can when we finish this uh, series on the Trinity, we will be jumping into the book of Malachi. All right. 
So I want you to be re- be ready ready for that. You gotta be ready. Somebody was like, well, "I've read that." I'm like, "I don't think we're gonna be ready for this." <laughs> All right, I wasn't ready. <laughs> All right, let's stand up on our feet. I promise you, I ain't have no uh, communion juice before I preach today. <laughs> My communion juice was fermented. I tell you. <laughs> All right. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May the Lord make his.